This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, April 13th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. Conservative nationalism laid bare or just a substantial outlier? If you take Harvard professor Adrian Vermeule at his word in a new essay at The Atlantic abandoning long-standing conservative views about the Constitution and implementing substantial restrictions on basic liberties are what need to come next in the fight for a nationalist conservatism. Naturally, that horrifies Reason Magazine's Stephanie Slade. We spoke last week. You and I have talked about uh, national conservatism or conservative nationalism uh, a couple of times now. And this uh, piece by Adrian Vermeule from Harvard Law School, what do you make of it? I, I think it's frightening, but it's also actually, I tweeted this, it's kind of a gift to us because he, I think, is going farther than almost anybody um, on this sort of illiberal right in telling us exactly what that means to them. Um, so, so last summer or last, yeah, I guess it was early summer last year, we had the, the big, um, the great Amari French con- conflagration of 2019 in which uh, the Washington Post opinion editor, Saurabh Amari, wrote this long, scathing article at First Things magazine um, basically saying, the classical liberal order has failed and it's time for conservatives, sort of traditionalist conservatives, to seize control of government and not be so afraid to use the power, the sort of strong arm of the federal government and the state to enforce our conservatives' vision of morality on the country. Um, and everybody freaked out, I think rightly so, including me. I wrote a long response at Reason. Um, but then in subsequent months, as he was pressed, okay, well, what does that mean? What do you actually think the government should do, for example, to um, what would you do about Drag Queen Story Hour, which is this great evil that sparked sparked his rant in the first place, that, that was so evil in his view that he was willing to abandon his classical liberalism. Um, and he had no answer. And he, and he said, well, I just think we need to think about being a little bit more comfortable with, you know, we need to talk about the common good war. And it's like, that is not helpful at all. Adrian Vermeule, on the other hand, with this article, he has gone a lot farther um, at talking about what exactly it is he he thinks that means, and it means things like abandoning a sort of originalist uh, interpretation of uh, interpretation of the Constitution that says that we ought to care what the Constitution says and what the f- the sort of framers believed it to mean, and instead we should work backwards from that from the the sort of traditionalist outcomes that we want and figure out how to make a a legal theory or a jur- jurisprudence that justifies the things we want to do, up to and including uh, speech restrictions, uh, the establishment of religion. I mean, some pretty scary and um, uh, aggressive stuff. So when he refers to common good constitutionalism, uh, he's talking about a, a strong uh, central government uh, with I mean, is he calling for not taking the Constitution seriously? I think so. I mean, so up until now, the sort of to oversimplify things, there was always this sort of debate between the originalists on the right and the the living constitutionalists on the left. Um, And the originalists said we need to be faithful to what the framers intended and what the words of the Constitution say. And the living constitutionalists said we need to have room for this as society and, and um, circumstances progress. 
we need to allow the constitutions and our interpretations of the constitution to evolve as well, to take into account changing circumstances. And to be honest with you, I am not like a doctrinaire originalist. I think I'm sympathetic to both arguments on both sides. But what both sides had more or less have always had in common was a belief that the constitution is what it is and we have an obligation to respect to respect it. And we may we may have disagreements about the the right interpretation, but we have some sort of obligation to sort of follow the document where it leads us, as opposed to what I hear Vermeule saying, and and he was quite explicit about it in his article, which is um, originalism has failed conservatives or, or, or it sort of had a good run when we were out of power. It was, um, it was fine to demand that the liberals who were in power respect the text of the constitution. But now that we have power, we have a majority of the Supreme court, we have the president, so on and so forth. Um, we, we ought to abandon originalism and essentially claim the right to do what we like, as long as it's in accordance with the common good, whether or not the words of the, of the constitution sort of, and, and here's a, the reasonable point, which is to say that the constitution is fairly ambiguous in many places. So he says we should, we should basically take that small loophole and, and stretch it out as, as much as humanly possible. When he says common good, uh, what is he referring to? Presumably uh, in line with other conservative nationalists, he views the family unit as the central organizing unit of society. Uh, he talks about individualism as, uh, I guess, not a failure, but something that is uh, not as important as you or I might uh, view it. That's right. And it's a, it's sort of helpful to understand that Vermeule is a relatively recent Catholic convert. And the idea of the common good is a sort of, you know, it has a, a long pedigree uh, in Catholic social thought. Um, Catholics and Catholic popes, for example, and, and the Catholic Church teaches about the importance of the common good as the sort of set of conditions that promote human flourishing in the fullest sense, including in a moral in a moral sense. So when Vermeule is talking about the common good, he's thinking of a very a very Catholic conception of that idea, um, which is in part what you what you just said, and is very similar to what I think many conservatives, whether they're Catholic or not, would say about the primacy of the family. But this this um, very intentional walking away from individualism, individual rights, and individual liberties. Um, is a definite change on the political right. Uh, the nationalists are doing it as well. The the Zora Bamari types, the Patrick Deneen types, um, the Yoram Hazanis, uh, they're, they're all doing this thing where they're saying, you know, we tried individual liberty as one of the sort of drive, main driving um, principles of the conservative right, and we don't really like where it's gotten us, and so we think we're going to abandon that and try something else. Um, and this is just a very clear, um, remarkably clear and courageous statement of what what that might look like. He writes, in, and you're, you're not joking when you say that he's laying this out here explicitly. Uh, he writes, common good constitutionalism is also not legal liberalism or libertarianism. Its main aim is certainly not to maximize individual autonomy or to minimize the abuse of power, an incoherent goal in any event but instead to ensure that the ruler has the power needed to rule well. Uh, he, he calls it an illiberal legalism. So it, not obviously liberal in the sense of left of center, but liberal in the sense of classical liberal values that sort of give a pr privileged place to the importance of individual liberty. He is explicitly saying we should do an illiberal thing instead. 
as the United States and the rest of the world goes through this uh, coronavirus outbreak and a lot of the restrictions, some probably constitutional and some not constitutional, um, is do you think he senses that this is a good moment for this kind of argument? I actually think he's probably been working on this for since before. In fact, I know for sure that he has because he's been talking about these ideas since long before this this moment happened. And so I doubt that 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 this was inspired by the sort of coronavirus crisis that we are living through right now. But it is interesting. And um, my, my friend Sam Goldman, the GW professor, I think pointed this out on Twitter, that at this moment, with everything happening in this country, with uh, sort of a consolidation of power happening in places like Hungary, um, oh, Viktor Orban sort of suddenly gaining th- through through legitimate mechanisms, the parliament gave, giving him all these emergency powers sort of indefinitely. Um, to have this article come out at this moment uh, certainly is raising some eyebrows and maybe sounding some alar- alarm bells, even in, in the minds uh, sort of of many conservatives who might, under different circumstances, be inclined to be sympathetic to the Vermeil view. At this moment, it seems a little, it's like, even harder, I think it's hard to de- hard to defend this position, and it's a it's a pretty frightening and disturbing vision, at the best of times. But at this moment, it's it's especially so. You suggested that this is a gift um, uh, to people who want to evaluate, you know, below the surface nice words about uh, what a national conservatism would look like. Um, what service does this perform in terms of? Uh, providing counter arguments and trying to, uh, I guess, fully appreciate the scope of what uh, these people are arguing. Well, it lifts the veil, so to speak. So last month um, in Reason Magazine, we published an article I wrote called Against the New Nationalism, in which I tried to make the case that this sort of new conservative nationalist movement is inherently illiberal. And in some cases, it is implicitly so if you listen to what they want to do it's a sort of abandoning of classical liberal principles. In other cases, it's explicitly so. People are, are you know, they're talking about how, again, individualism, individualism, liberty and individualism has failed us as conservatives and we should look, we should look elsewhere. Um, what I thought, thought was interesting was, despite the fact that I thought my argument was not actually that going to be that controversial from the perspective of the people I was writing about, many of them, you know, they sort of took umbrage uh, I'm not an illiberal, uh, just because I think that we need to rebalance our commitments in the direction of of traditional um, social conservative values doesn't mean that I'm a liberal and things like that. So to to have somebody come out and say, oh, no, no, I am a liberal and you should be too. Uh, I'm a proud liberal and I'm going to tell you exactly what I mean by that, um, up to and including, uh, I think we ought to walk away, consciously walk away from our commitments to free speech, um, religious religious liberty, um, you know, property, private property rights, and economic freedom. The, the nationalists, I think, were doing this anyway because they they had, um, you know, a big part of the nationalist agenda is, for example, uh, uh, tariffs and trade war and a sort of mercantilist philosophy where we abandon the last few decades of conservatives' commitment to free trade. So they they were already moving away from these principles, but they didn't want to <laughs> admit it. They didn't want to admit it when when you sort of face to face say, "So what you're saying is you, you think we should abandon classical liberal principles and individual liberalism?" 
uh, individual liberty, they they would say, well, no, not exactly. I mean, it's it's more complicated than that. What I'm talking about is something more thoughtful and nuanced and blah, blah, blah. No, nothing like that with Vermeule. With Vermeule, he's uh, not ashamed of what he is in favor of. So it makes it easier to, it just sort of, it, 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 um, erases some of the ambiguity there, which makes it, I think, easier for other outsiders to see what, what, you know, when I'm criticizing these folks, why I'm criticizing them. And it makes it harder for the others, the other people on this side to maintain that posture of ambiguous sort of, you know, nuanced illiberalism that isn't really illiberalism. Like he's sort of putting down a marker. Are you with me or are you against me? And I like that because I'm definitely against him and I want other people to be forced to make that choice as well. Uh, Watching the the reaction to a lot of this from uh, conservative and libertarian legal scholars, uh, it seems like it it doesn't have a lot of traction. But outside of that group, um, do you think this idea does have traction? And, and and does it have traction on the left with perhaps a slightly different conception of the common good? Maybe. Uh, I, I suppose the, the question is whether people on the left who um, earlier I, I mentioned that up until now always been a sense that serious legal thinkers um, rejected the idea that you could work backwards from the results you wanted and come up with a legal philosophy that would get you to where you wanted to go. That, that, that's not a serious way about of, of doing constitutional interpretation, or so it was accepted on both sides prior to this moment. Um, now, in some cases, that they, they were doing that, right? Conservatives were looking at the landscape and saying, we want these um, sort of traditionalist values to be respected, and we think originalism will get us there, and um, sort of People on the left were saying, we want this sort of progressive values to be justified under the Constitution. And so we think this sort of living constitutionalism philosophy will get us there. So they really were, in many cases, working backwards. But at least they were they, they were trying to do it the right way, which is to say they were not just straight up, you know, saying, I'm right and I will change the rules as I go along until I get the, what I want. I'm going to try to try to develop a coherent um, body of theory that we can debate about, you know, on both sides. But I'm not going to just say I'm going to change the rules as I go along until I get what I want. And that's the thing that's happening with Vermeule. And so the question is whether the left will say, well, if once they they're doing it, so we should do it too. I don't know if we're going to see that, but I know we've seen the precise inverse when it comes to these nationalists saying, well, the left has abandoned their classical liberal principles and their commitments to free speech and religious liberty and, you know, due process and all that stuff. So why should we continue to play by the rules when they're not? And so I I do think like one bad actor probably is going to end up leading to more bad actors, Um, maybe not among the legal scholars, but certainly among the sort of pundit class, the politicians. I don't think good things are going to come of this. Stephanie Slade is the managing editor at Reason Magazine. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 